Hello, my name is Noah McMillan, and welcome to Wise Advice on Educational Planning by McMillan Education, the oldest educational consultancy in the United States. Today, I chat with Kim Hordashevsky about summer planning and athletic recruiting. Kim was an All-American and national champion at the University of Maryland in both field hockey and lacrosse. After college, she went on to play for the U.S. national team in both field hockey and lacrosse, and in 2008 was inducted into the Maryland Athletics Hall of Fame. Kim's love for sports did not fade once her playing days ended, though. She went on to coach field hockey and lacrosse at the College of William & Mary and later became the head lacrosse coach at the University of Richmond. She also served as the head coach of the Scottish Women's National Lacrosse Team. Kim's range of coaching positions also extends to middle school athletes and Special Olympians. Kim has been with McMillan Education for over 12 years. Kim, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. So we're going to talk about the summer planning for athletic recruiting. Now, you helped me years ago go through the same process, but it seems to me at least it has gotten significantly more complicated since 2010. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's getting complicated because many students are kind of pulled in different directions, whether it's their summer club whether it's an individual experience, whether it's an AAU championship or something that is very specific to their sport. But the other reason that makes it difficult is colleges will run ID camps for various sports and they often will cross over. So that can conflict with students' choices of what events they challenge, that they they want to um, attend. And, you know, the, the logistics make it very difficult at times. And the other part of that is that there are just so many events and some clubs are absolutely committed to going to major events and other clubs will let students make their choices. But it really is sport dependent, but it certainly has gotten more complicated and the scheduling happens a little bit earlier. So on that note, um, advanced planning is, of course, going to be key with the dynamics of the schedule. Can you break down when that planning should start, how to prioritize the events, and how to communicate with the coaches about which events you're going to? Yep. So this is, again, sport-specific, simply because if you if you are in an individual sport, for example, swimming, and you have certain championships that are coming up, they tend to be already scheduled out. You just have to meet the criteria. But when you're deciding what club you're going to play with or the current club you are playing with or what events you want to do, your planning generally could start maybe around Christmas or just after in January, simply because colleges will often release their dates for attendance at that time. Some of the ID camps also will do that. And some of the events for the national level uh, tournaments and competitions often get confirmed at that later date. So that that planning really does start to take place around that winter break. Uh, and commitments are, are usually after that, just so that student-athletes don't get locked out of an opportunity. How do you recommend student-athletes prioritize which events they should go to in order to see and be seen by the colleges they're most interested in? It's a combination of factors. Depends on how young the student-athlete is, meaning freshman, sophomore, junior, or going into senior year. First and foremost, academic interests, competition level, divisions one, two, or three, 
and trying to maximize your ability to be seen by as many coaches as possible. If in the later stages, junior year, sophomore, junior, going into senior year, a student athlete can narrow down a good group that is an academic fit, an athletic fit, and there's interest in recruiting, then the prioritization goes to a combination of demonstrated interest both by the coach and the student athlete, or just the fact that uh, the student athlete needs to be evaluated by that staff or a group of coaches. So you prioritize by reasonable interest. There will be student athletes who may not may already know that they are not, nor do they want to play at the Division I level. Therefore, they're going to prioritize in a different manner. For those students striving to possibly compete at Division I, they're also going to prioritize that level, whether it's a top-notch, a mid-major, or a comparable fit school. Some of that is you know, dependent on what the student athlete is looking for. Is this a scholarship opportunity or a non-scholarship opportunity? Student athletes will tend to know the highest ranges of interest probably earlier than later, meaning coaches have shown some love to them a little bit sooner than later, and that helps them prioritize. But also remember, some sports will actually carry on into the fall of the senior year of student-athletes. So there are those last piece pieces that can come into play in terms of recruiting. You mentioned demonstrated interest being a two-way street between coaches and student-athletes. How do you recommend students uh, communicate with coaches as far as their summer planning goes? So there are quite a few ways to do that, but the two-way street is also a double-edged sword in that, for example, the rules can limit the coaches in Divisions 1 and 2 directly contacting the student-athletes. So student-athletes really need to be mindful and aware of what the coaches can send back or contact back to you. For example, if a student-athlete completes an online recruiting form, they're likely to be on the list to receive information about summer camps and academic information because that those are the only things that are allowed to pretty much be sent back by coaches. In Division Three, coaches have a little more latitude in contacting them. So I always caution student-athletes who may believe that they're at a higher level or that they are at a higher level from being frustrated by not hearing back from a Division One school. They have strict rules. Student-athletes, high school student-athletes, don't really have rules in terms of contacting coaches. Their rules are only if there are certain periods during the recruiting calendar that they may not be on campus and be able to talk to coaches, etc. But letting coaches know a couple of different ways. You want to build a relationship with the coaches. That's often done via email, text, leaving a message, or if you're using Instagram without maybe going directly at a coach, kind of letting people know where you will be and how excited you are about competition. And I think that that a follow-up prior to that event is a good idea. For some student-athletes who are not wanting to contact coaches right away because it might be their first event where they're really competing at a high level, they can let coaches know following the event that they were there, it was their first event, and everything that is sent to coaches should really be in context of, I really enjoyed myself, I thought, I, I thought you would come see me play, it looks like I saw you on the sidelines, um, but really kind of reinforcing what that relationship is. First and foremost, the secret is don't keep yourself a secret. Secondly, let the student athlete be the one that is 
building the relationship with coaches. So let them know um, as conveniently and in a very short order as you can, uh, as soon as you can that you know you're attending event. If so something should happen and you have to pull out of an event, I've had students with injury or illness, they should just do a courtesy email to all coaches and put that in context as to why they're missing that event. So we've touched on the logistical aspects of finding a place to show yourself and how to communicate coaches, you'll be there. But one of the great parts of athletics is obviously preparation. How do you recommend student athletes prepare themselves for the summer? I think the most important aspects of preparation for the student athlete, it really is physical, mental, and emotional. This is a competitive environment, but it's also a team environment. So if, for example, you are competing with your team to showcase to coaches, the ability to play well with the team, the ability to be flexible, the ability to have the opportunity to just play and compete at a higher level is something that you can manage. So you want to be physically present for your team. When you know you're going into these events, this is really about physically preparing. You can't pull an all-nighter to catch up on physical conditioning. If you're managing an injury, try to manage it smart. If you're injured and shouldn't play, then I would probably make that decision and make sure that you let coaches know what that is all about. The emotional piece really is about, mm, I call it not playing mind games with yourself. Student athletes play at their very best when they're relaxed and they're having fun. While this is a very intense experience or could feel that way, and evaluation feels very intense, the more fun you're having, the better you will play. And you want your experience to be something that is really um, challenging yourself and showing how you're going to handle your success and failure. If you make a mistake, for example, you lose possession of the ball, coaches want to see you basically tackle back or track back. If you're doing a great job and you score a magnificent goal, they really want to know how you're going to manage that success. Or are you taunting people? Or how are you managing your sportsmanship? So you are under display as a human being, your physical characteristics, your mental characteristics, and your emotional characteristics. So just go out and have fun. But really know you are competing to play in college. You're not just competing to be the best in your county, state, or region. This really is competition that is a national level competition and you have a series of competitions to show yourself. You mentioned the significance of being watched the entire time. As a former coach yourself, can you speak to what you're particularly looking for? Because I remember as a recruited athlete myself, I thought that that was somewhat overblown. The performance was really going to be the only thing that mattered, but you made pretty clear that Coaches will watch exactly how you finish drills. Do you have any examples that spring to mind of that coming to bite someone? Yeah, but I was working with a student athlete, and uh, the student athlete was going through a series of camps and narrowed it down to specific ID camps on specific campuses. And even though these camps are short, some of them can be two-day camps or even a one-day camp, this student athlete uh, went through, yeah, it was a tough camp, um, a one-day camp following a camp at another school. And at the end of this camp, there were some drills going on that were basically specific to footwork, one-on-one uh, -on -one drills, and some competitions that really came to the end of the camp. At the very end of the camp, uh, the student kind of jogged through the end of the drill. 
And at the end, at the very end of the camp, when it came to uh, coaches commenting and evaluating, the head coach at that sport um, walked up to the student, pulled him aside and said, I just want you to know, uh, I watched you from the start all the way to the beginning. And because I, I saw that you kind of jogged out through the end, that's not the kind of student athlete I really would like to have here. I want my students to be on the mark and committed to their team from the start of the game to the end of the game, all the way into the locker room. So that student athlete basically on site was um, his offer was withdrawn from that college or university. And, you know, that that is an example. And it is it was a high level sport. It was football. And so everything matters. And I also think that belongs to character. This is why I often will make reference of how do you treat your teammates? How do you treat the officials? And oh, by the way, how are your family members conducting themselves um, you know, in the stands or around the competition environment? But really, everything does matter because I know when I was coaching in Division One, I prepared my student-athletes to play not just the full amount of the game, but what happens if we go into overtime? Are you going to be the one willing to go after that last ground ball to make that last pass to win a championship. I know as a student athlete, um, we played in a national championship game. That was the same thing that happened. We had six seconds left to win a championship, and it was 101 degrees. We all knew that we had the ability to pull it off because we were trained that way, and we all knew that we would pull for each other. We did pull it off with six seconds left, we beat this team in over or uh, in overtime by one. So it does matter because in the heat of competition, there's no second chance when you are deciding whether it's it's a win or a loss. So given the imperative of finishing every drill with full effort, that's gonna make it rather difficult to do those back-to-back camps, like you mentioned. How do you recommend? dealing with recovery time to make sure that student athletes are performing at their best? So I think this goes back particularly to preparation. It really is nutrition, sleep, hydration, all those things that will allow you to be the best that you can be. Inevitably, many of these camps run over by a half a day, a full day. Uh, I ask student athletes to be really mindful of, you know, for example, some colleges will run a couple of ID camps in the summer, and some student-athletes ask, should I attend both? And my answer to that is, let's see what the whole summer looks like and see what kind of competition level you have and start to plan it out. It is easier to withdraw from a camp than it is to get in late. In many cases, a student-athlete will actually apply to attend a couple of camps that cross over but will in advance say, I will be caught in travel. So letting the other camp know that you will arrive late. So it's just logistical, but it's also appropriate to do it. And it is really tough because some students will say, well, the second coach will know I'm attending the camp at the first, um, at the first site. Well, maybe they will, and maybe they won't. But you really do have to allow for transportation being reasonable God forbid an injury or a struggle. There's got to be a way to build in some time to balance that out. So hopefully student athletes aren't doing all the driving between camps because that's exhausting. But really schedule it out mindfully. Understand stuff happens. If it happens, just 
put it in context, send an email, a text to a coach or any information, even if you call the coach and leave a message um, or the, whoever's managing the site, just go ahead and do it. But it's, it's inevitable that these camps cross over and it's intentional. So, you know, just, just talk with your coach or talk with me and let's see how best to manage the crossovers and see what opportunities have are out there that that coach can see you at different other events. You mentioned the possibility of getting injured. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But if it does, how do you recommend dealing with that in the summer and in the context of these showcases and camps? So injury and illness, uh, pretty much inevitable in some part of an athlete's career. It's just a matter of understanding what is that injury, first and foremost, let a professional evaluate it. Secondly, to what extent are you willing to perform and can you perform? Um, if, for example, it's a muscle strain, first of all, let your own coach know if you have limitations or not. Secondly, you could possibly find a way to communicate with the coach to say, I've, I've sustained an injury. I will not be playing at this event, but I will be playing at another event. Or if, for example, videotape is being taken at event to be shared with coaches who are not there, again, everything you send to coaches, you put in context. So, for example, if I'm sending a videotape and I was injured or ill, you just put in the context that I, I, you know, I had a hard slide tackle on me. I, I tweaked my ankle. Uh, I was struggling a little bit here, uh, but I'm looking forward to sending more videotape. If you are out, just let all the coaches know you're out, whether it's an injury that you can't play a fracture or concussion. It happens. Coaches understand it. There's nothing you can do about it. First and foremost, your health and well-being are at the forefront of everything you should be doing. So dealing with injury and illness speaks to another characteristic that you've talked about a lot. That is the ability to make changes on the fly. Now, one example I remember from my own experience was after doing a, the morning session of a one-day camp that I thought I did particularly well in, decided that that was going to be it because I had done well. There was no reason to keep showing up. That ended up being the school that uh, I attended, so it ended up being a good call. But can you give some other examples of the changing on the fly mentality to maximize the efficiency of your performances? The ability, I think, to make changes on the fly is really a combination of things. Um, and what I mean by changes on the fly are basically how you manage your decisions pre-camp and post-camp. Other changes on the fly include things like having an early summer camp experience where it went very, very well, and you may have been invited to another event, which maybe conflicts with an, another event you had scheduled. So... The question then becomes, what is your priority? Re having yourself reevaluated and competing for a spot on that, that first campus that maybe said, we'd love to see you come back, or continuing on. The changes on the fly, you know, in, in the case of maybe um, already knowing that you've done well and wanting to kind of pull back so you don't get injured, is, is your ability or any student athletes and family's ability to say, okay, we've done enough. We're protecting ourselves from injury, illness. Uh, we don't feel it necessary to continue on. That is kind of a luxury to, to make that choice to not continue on. Generally, those changes on the fly have to do with circumstances that happen to or for or with the student athlete. For example, an injury, 
an illness. Maybe they have to uh, leave a venue for a family emergency. Perhaps they're taking classes and they can't attend all the events. They're taking summer courses or they have an internship. These are the choices that students and student athletes make. Balancing those choices can be very difficult, but I found that many student athletes, because they're student athletes, know how to manage it. It just is not easy. And for the most part, between junior and senior year, from the winter all the way through almost to application period that comes in senior year, is among the most intensive uh, communication and evaluation experiences. Because in divisions one, two, and three, there can be a trickle effect in recruiting where division three coaches wait a little longer because they can. Uh, and division one coaches, especially for fall sports, want to get their decisions done either just before they begin or the minute their season ends, they still have the ability to make a commitment for a senior. So changes on the fly happen not only in the summer, but all the way through the process. Mostly these changes on the fly are family decisions. Unless the student athlete is just in such physical or mental or emotional disarray that they must be pulled out and just they just have to relax, take a step back. And really, this is about well-being of, of mind, body, and soul. One final thing for making changes on the fly. Obviously, student athletes have a life outside of being a student athlete. For student athletes that have other commitments in the summer, like a job or if they have some classes to do, how do you recommend they navigate the logistical issues surrounding that? Yeah, that comes with uh, the prior proper planning model where you're trying to find a good balance. So um, what we often look for is what are those hard fixed things? If, if you're taking classes, they tend to be fixed or you're attending a pre-college event. They tend to be fixed dates and times with a little flexibility, meaning you might be able to leave earlier or, or, or come a little bit later. For the job experiences or internship experiences, I find that if the student athletes are honest with their bosses and the bosses understand the combination, the student athletes can find jobs, hopefully, that have the flexibility and the latitude to let them come and go as necessary. Um, and But it really is about finding the balance because in the end, um, the change on the fly also includes if a student athlete gets injured and can never compete again, then the summer becomes a moot point. They're now kind of in a different place where they really are looking at their academic passions and really finding those experiences outside of athletics in the summer or in their break times. So it really is just, it's really all about communication. Find a job that is flexible enough and understanding enough. If you can't find one, then do some volunteer, volunteer experiences within your sport, outside your sport. But I do think there needs to be a real definite balance. We can't have student athletes um, going 18 hours a day just to try to, you know, find that that perfect um, offer from a college. So that's my advice is just keep the communication open and be reasonable and sensible. All right, Kim, I think that wraps up our topic for today. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Wise Advice on Educational Planning. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review.